0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Lost Geeks Podcast. I am the Doc. And I am,
1: oh dear, uh, JT, and, and, uh, What? what were we doing again?
2: We were doing a podcast.
1: Oh, oh yes, um, pardon me, the, the grand art of role play. That brings to mind my younger days, when myself and the missus had some interesting role-play sessions. Oh, oh yes, they were quite intense. I uh, recall this one time her character had gotten a bit jealous that I invited a rather charming elf to my chambers. NEEDLESS TO SAY, SHE EXPLODED HERSELF AND KILLED EVERYONE AT THE INN, INCLUDING OUR PARTY. I... That sounds a bit gruesome. uh, I suppose it was rather humorous looking back on it, though. How did you manage
0: to survive?
1: uh, Cursed, I'm afraid. But uh, I remember our DM not being too thrilled about the events supposedly supposedly a great curse had been plaguing the region and uh this curse was attached to each of our characters and uh when we all died the curse ended so i suppose uh huzzah we did it uh, anyhow i guess we'd better get on with uh what what was it we were doing again Roleplay.
0: oh yes role play what about role play? Well, there's this is kind of the game, I guess. <laughs> Tabletop RPGs, this is what we're talking about. So, we wanted to get into this kind of to how to encourage role play amongst your players, different types of role play, a couple other little tidbits, and kind of in pop culture and stuff like that. One thing I would like to say before we kind of get underway with this, though. We do have the Facebook page up and running more officially now. There was some problems with the old one. I think it was, unfortunately, it was an old group that we had kind of converted into that. But since it was a group, it was set to private. So it was keeping people from joining. So hopefully the new Facebook page should be a little more user friendly and you should be able to join that. If you have any interest in this podcast, of course, please go like the Facebook page We will be posting the episodes on there also we're kind of hoping to put some concept art on there down the road for now you'll just have to deal with my terrible memes and other stuff i'm going to be putting up there but hopefully we'll be getting some artwork on there soon and maybe some maps uh maybe some videos (laughs) depending on how much time we have so kind of definitely join us on facebook feel free to email us or message us on there if you have any stories questions topics you would like us to talk about so yeah please do that we've kind of got the problems with that worked out I hope so so yeah, with that's that let's brilliant yeah so with that let's go ahead and get into role-playing so I wanted to just kind of look up a really simple definition of this um, I found a kind of funny one on <laughs> urban dictionary that I really like oh boy yeah I know they're known for kind of dirty things this one's not really overly dirty but completely addicting games which take over your life make you antisocial and in a worst case scenario end up with a 30-year-old playing the game whenever they have a free moment eliminates possibility of getting any work done at all i kind of like that one obviously we know role playing <laughs> you're kind of playing a role whether you're a barbarian a monk a priest cleric or cleric whatever you want to call it we kind of know what this is right. but i just i thought that definition was kind of funny when i was <laughs> looking through it oh
2: no definitely although i still find myself quite productive
0: <laughs> yeah i do as well although when i w- i don't know if you'd wow well, i guess if you're on a role-playing server it could be considered a role-playing game that's the only game that really took over my life for an extended period of time i don't think D has really done that although if we were playing in person Maybe, or if we were in college and had the free time to commit to it, maybe it would take over. I don't know. (laughs) So I want to also talk about LARPing. (laughs) It's similar, of course. So here's another one. I have two Hmm. definitions for this. They're not really both definitions, but one is more the history of it. So LARP or LARPing is short for live action role playing. This is also from Urban Dictionary. When I was looking for the other one, I found this one too, and I found theirs to be more entertaining a live action role-playing game is a form of role-playing game where the participants physically act out their characters actions the players pursue their characters goals within a fictional setting represented by the real world while interacting with one another in character the outcome of players actions may be mediated by game rules or determined by a consistent consensus between players the first LARPs were run in the late 1970s that kind of surprised me but I'll get through this before we discuss that inspired by role playing (laughs) games and genre fiction the activity gained international popularity during the 1980s and has diversified into wide variety of styles play may be very game like or maybe more concerned with dramatic or artistic expression the fiction genres used very, oh, used very greatly from realistic modern or historical settings to fantastic or futuristic settings. Production values are sometimes minimal but can involve elaborate venues and costumes. LARPs. LARPs range in size from small private events lasting a few hours to huge public events with thousands of players lasting for several days. So, LARPing does not have a single point of origin, but was invented independently by groups in North America, Europe, and Australia. This part's from Wikipedia. Okay. These groups shared an experience with genre fiction or tabletop role-playing games and a desire to physically experience such a setting. In addition to tabletop role-playing, LARP is rooted in childhood games of make-believe, play-fighting, costume parties, role-play simulation improvised theater, psychodrama, military simulation and historical reenactments groups such as the society for creative anachronism. Let's see the earliest recorded LARP group is Dr- Dagorir, Dagorier D A G O R H I R. It was yeah, not in- even yeah. That. <laughs> it was founded in 1977 in the united states and focuses on fantasy battles soon after the release of the movie logan's run in 1976 rudimentary live role-playing games based on the movie were run at u.s science fiction conventions in 1981 the international fantasy gaming society started with rules influenced by dungeons and dragons this was named after a fish. let's see, IFGS was named after a fictional group in the 1981 novel, Dream Park, which described futuristic LARPs. In 1982, the Society for Interactive Literature, a predecessor of the Live Action Role Players Association, formed as the first recorded theater-style LARP group in the U.S. I'm kind of surprised it's been around for so long, the LARPing part. I guess I would have just thought you would have gotten, a, I mean, you'd get beat up when we were in high school for LARPing, but I can't imagine in the 70s what that would have been like. Or maybe it was more accepted back then. I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, I suppose we did in a way, if you look back at some of the antics we got up to.
0: Yes, Uh we did do some LARPing in, um well, we might have, I think we were actually, no, we were in college, actually. Uh That's right. I wanted to get into that. I actually did some LARPing in college I kind of discovered it by accident. I was walking across campus and there was these people out on the quad fighting with sword, foam swords and shields. And it was like, how do I get involved in this? And it so happened <laughs> one of them was actually in one of my biology classes and he had the weapons with him. And I'm like, what is this? And he kind of told me about it. And I was just like, yeah, that sounds great. So I will say this particular LARPing didn't really have the role play element to it. It was simply there was rules with fighting if you got hit in the arm you lost the arm body shots i think you died with a body shot and heads were off heads mm-hmm. and brains were off limits but for the obvious reasons yeah the group was actually i don't say sponsor well i'll say sponsored by the college it was a club and i think they had actually went to one of the big battles with from what i understand there may have been thousands of people there and they you know line up and have this massive battle And the school had given them a small amount of money to buy some basic swords and shields. I think we had one spear. It was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a good mix of guys and girls and Mm -hmm. everyone had a really good time. They were (laughs) definitely my (laughs) type of people. Unfortunately, (laughs) I do remember it ended kind of sadly. I'd really hate to pick on this guy, but it just, I'm going to, we had somebody that joined that, I guess he had just almost been like a professional LARPer before he came to college. And he had a, like a tower shield and a short sword and the tower, he was just really good, I guess was the problem. And I, I don't, I I hate to make it seem like that's why it was bad, but he was just very good and he was very full of himself. And once he joined, it was pretty much guaranteed whichever team he was on was going to win unless he, he was just really good. And the tower shield was really hard to attack against too so unfortunately that kind of ruined that but uh,
2: yeah that's not so much fun so
0: well yeah. i mean what's the guy supposed to do is he supposed to lose on purpose he wasn't very i don't know he like i said he, well he you didn't have so to be so snobbish about it i guess yeah that i think was more the issue than the actual
2: i mean if you're role playing really good I guess if you're role playing that character in the moment, that's cool. But I mean,
0: well, like I <laughs> said, so there was, outside of yeah, there was really no actual role playing most of the time at all. I mean, the fights were just that; they were just battles. There was no actual role playing, too. But I just wanted to bring that up. That was kind of our brief experience with LARPing. Well, I think I don't think you ever played with me at college, but then we had went no. off and made some cheaper end weapons out of foam <laughs> camping. In pool noodles, I think, where you put them in the PVC. Yep,
2: PVC with pool noodles. And then I remember we had gotten some old old socks. I don't know if they were old or new, but, like, the really long socks, and we had sewed them together. I think they were
0: new, just in our defense. I think they were new socks. Oh, I don't think we were using old stinky socks, but that would have been funny. (laughs) Didn't you break your brother's finger playing, too? Nope. No
2: broken bones, although getting into that will definitely, if there's any tension with you and another person, and obviously those of you out there that have siblings can vouch for that, it can get heated when yeah, you're I remember we had swinging foam swords, weapons yeah. at
0: each other. <laughs> yeah, we. I remember the two-handed swords were pretty brutal. I think we had to get rid of those actually eventually because you could just baseball swing. them. that's why I was thinking in my head someone like broke a finger, got a nasty welt or something, but... So that's my only experience with LARPing, I guess. It's not really the role-playing part of it, but I still had fun with it for the most part.
2: Yeah, never. we never did role-play. It was mostly just doing
0: the battles, which was fun. Well, and they kind of brought this up with the LARPing. It's kind of funny. I never really had thought of made this connection until I was reading this, and I was thinking about, like, Civil War reenactments and how big they are, and really, I would consider that kind of LARPing, right? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh My grandma would take me to medieval times, mm-hmm. and, like olden day times. And those were a lot of fun. Uh, I remember uh, we went to like a Civil War themed one and we had to hear Abraham Lincoln give a speech and watch the battles. And yeah, I would definitely say that's part of <laughs> that definitely is LARPing.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just a little bit different. I guess even they said that the thing is you could think of it being a sci-fi setting. I always think of it as a fantasy setting, but it kind of reminds me. It said this, it brings you back to like childhood games and imagination, and it, it really does bring you back to that. Because, you know, when you're a kid, I mean, your imagination, you can just do anything. You are constantly fighting dragons, shooting guns, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. I just, it's weird to think of it as an adult It's so nice to be able to kind of, that's why I guess I love role playing. It just lets you be a kid again, to some extent.
2: Yeah, well, I recall times of myself running around in the backyard, the young version of myself running around, uh, acting out, at me playing a gargoyle, you know, jumping from our playground and just running around and, you know, it was just me. You know, my brother would be off
0: doing something else. It would just be me out there. I but luckily, we
2: lived in the country, so there was no one there to see me. So,
0: I guess if you think of childhood play as being larping, there's probably a lot of people that have larped, if, you, if you're if you willing to kind of go back that far. But so I, I don't know. I, I think it's kind well, of interesting.
2: Well, and you can also look at, I would say, a lot of today's theme parks in the same
0: way with all the variations of
2: mascots,
0: yeah, Disney especially with the ones that aren't necessarily in full costume, where they act the princesses and the princes, where they actually talk and interact. That's exactly what they're doing. They're pre-designed Disney roles, but it's it's still role playing.
2: Yeah, and let's face it, we're we're all kids again when we go to a theme park.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, especially Disney. Of course, you know I'm a huge fan myself. I have to go challenge Gaston to a push-up contest next time we're there. Mm, good luck with that. I actually saw uh, talking about role playing. Is this guy was definitely built to play Gaston. As some a guest challenged him to a push push up contest, and he just destroyed the guy. And he started doing one armed push ups. <laughs> Gaston did, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh wow, this guy he's taking the role playing to a whole other level." <laughs> Well, you would have
2: to almost be ready for that as that actor. Like, you would have to be like, yeah, especially playing Gaston, who is, like, full of himself and ready to take on any challenge.
0: Like, you can't, like, back down from someone. <laughs> oh, and it was funny. And you could tell at the very beginning, it looked like the guy was going to keep up with him. And then as soon as Gaston started doing the one-arm push-ups, I'm like, oh, this is over now. Because the other guy, he the other guy was able to do a couple one-arm push-ups. I'll give him credit for that. But you ever tried to do a one arm push up? They're not easy at all.
2: I have, and I used to be able to do them successfully without, you know, putting your legs out wide for that support. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do it <laughs> anymore. I can do it if I like put my legs out for support. <laughs> I call them the cheat, the cheating one arm push ups. But <laughs> so well, there was a time I can say I definitely did. <laughs> but yeah, you should probably get back on track here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, guest, guest, on we have to talk about him for a moment I one of my favorite Disney characters one of my favorite Disney villains I'll say but yeah we should get back on topic with we, we can get lost a little bit we've been doing better about that but it is our name after all but with that let's get into tabletop tales of toxicity and terror so, <sighs> I want to bring this up we kind of decided to do this at the beginning since we're going to be talking about role-playing This is an example of how to not encourage role play. I actually got this story from a friend of mine. His name's Joel. I won't use his last name, but he was happy to let us share this story. So I'm going to try to kind of summarize it here. Well, thank you. He was asked, I want to kind of read it from his point of view, the way I wrote it up. So I was asked to play in a game of a friend of a friend. The friend was some guy that he had met at, the friend of a friend was a guy he had met at summer camp. I had never met the guy personally, but figured it would be fine since my friend knew him. We got to session zero. The DM says he wants to run a session that has a mix of roleplay, combat, and puzzles, which we all agree to. It was a small group with just three of us, not including the dungeon master. The group consisted of a rogue, ranger, and a sorcerer. Since there was no tank or healer to speak of, we realized we will have to do things more stealthily. Things are going okay overall, but when there was role-playing sequences, there seemed to be odd consequences sometimes. One example he gave, he was flirting with a bar, I don't know if it was him or another guy, was flirting with a bar patron, and the group ended up getting ran out of town by the city guard for harassing one of the bar patrons. Hmm. So that was just one example he had given, but there were a couple other ones as well, where just... Basically, when they would role play, there would be odd consequences for the party and they weren't really getting carried away like murder hoboing or beating people up. It was just general conversation. But the kicker came when we tried to break into this old rundown house that some bandits bandits had been hiding in. The DM had been building up the bandits that they weren't the most intelligent, but that they had numbers that were somewhat large. We came up with a plan to get some of the bandits out into the open by having the rogue rogue dress up in fancy robes and come running up to the place looking for help. And he basically, he had come up with a story that the caravan had broke down and he needed help, thinking that the bandits would go, of course, (laughs) take the offer and like, oh yeah, sure, we'll come help you. So it actually went really well and the rogue was able to lead some of them away. The problem came is that when they were trying to break into the place, they had to do a ridiculous amount of stealth rolls. He said it was just like every time they were like taking a step, they had to do a stealth roll. Not quite that often, but tons and tons of stealth rolls. And he said they were mm. rolling quite well, but eventually, of course, they were spotted. Even And he did make note, the roll for the spot, it still wasn't like they rolled a one. It was still felt like a decent roll. So then all of a sudden, as soon as they're spotted, they got overwhelmed by bandits, and they were actually both killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez yeah so they brought up to the dm th- before they died it was they brought up that there seemed to be a lot of guards around considering the rogue led some away and he just responded well well you knew there were large numbers of them you should have been better prepared <laughs> and so i guess i'll say what this hmm. is and this kind of leads us into the encouraging role play this would really discourage you from role playing and discour- discourage me from even playing with the guy because and the DM oh, may definitely. have had a different solution in mind for them to deal with that, but I've, it makes sense to me. The rogue led a bunch of them away, so there should only be a handful left. It sounds like the DM just was like, no, there's still that huge amount there. It doesn't make any sense to me as a DM why you would, I don't know. Well,
2: and I don't understand the constant rolling Especially if you're looking as a DM for role play or to encourage role play, I'm gonna say it right now, the more rolling you're making the players do, the less you're like you're taking away from that role play experience now because they're just constantly just rolling and hoping they don't die, which in this case it almost seemed like what this DM was trying to do was like get them killed. Like he wanted to punish them for not taking the path he wanted or I I just don't see any other reason for having those constant roles unless you were like, well, eventually they're going to
0: roll bad. And then I've got them. That's exactly, that's exactly what it seemed like to me was why are you having them keep doing these (laughs) roles? And I think we've talked about this before is when you're the DM, the party's solutions to your puzzles are not always going to be, and most of the time, they're not going to be what you thought they would do. That's why sometimes I don't even come up with solutions to <laughs> things. But
2: I think that's a very valid way to go about it sometimes, is not getting too hung up on any one solution as a DM, just letting the group think about the situation and then finding a way to get, get out of it or to deal with whatever is happening definitely
0: yeah and i mean you can maybe have some general ideas of how you want them to solve it but so i've had the group come up with some pretty creative ways to get around stuff and i'm just as happy with them as any solution i cooked up in my head so i yeah i don't it still seems odd that he wanted them to fail so bad but And it was odd because we've talked about this too, but whatever as you as the DM are going to kind of control how your players act. If you put a lot of traps on doors and chests, they're going to be probably checking every door and every chest for traps, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but just your behavior. If you throw a really couple of hard fights at the party, they're going to be a little more gun shy about jumping in and fighting stuff. Cause we had that experience in your campaign, Oh, it was this skeleton, the death type guy that was kind of coming with the nothing. (laughs) Well, remember the first time we fought him, it was like this, it was like we didn't even have a chance against him. And then the second time we were kind of trying to like, well, we got to get away from this guy. We can't handle him. And he made us fight him. But I think it's the kind of the lesson, I guess, with that was us as the party, our experiences had been, this guy was way beyond our level. Now, granted you as the DM can, and maybe as the players, we should have realized we've leveled up quite a bit since we last fought him but i remember in my mind it's like no we can't deal with this guy he's way too powerful
2: yeah and i think that's a good learn tip and a good tip for anyone out there starting to dm or if you've dm'd a couple you might have already learned this but the players are definitely going to react to everything you do like they're, <laughs> yes. they're gonna they're gonna pick up on patterns they're gonna pick up on things like even when you're running your game I've noticed like interesting things that you do. And it's like, when you see something, it's usually not what it looks like. There's usually double meaning towards a lot of what's there. And so it, it's gotten a lot of us in the mode of like questioning, like, is that really, is that really a, a chair over there? <laughs> Should well, I, I noticed reach my hand too, yeah. into that cushion? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and get bit by the, the spider yeah. Well, and I think I try to keep the group on their feet, so I do try to change stuff up. I will put traps on doors once in a while, but then there's other times where I don't do anything. In fact, I had... I wouldn't really call it a trap, but do you recall in the last dungeon we were in, there was kind of two paths the group could go, and one of them had a doormat in front of the door mm-hmm. that said, like, danger, <laughs> do not enter. The only... Th- thing there was actually that room if they had went through it was actually a shorter cut to the boss and you actually could have avoided the were tiger fight completely if you had gone through there so to me it was kind of funny because in my head i was like yeah we'll see if the group follows (laughs) through the do not enter door and They, I think you guys ended up going through there, but it was after you guys had already gone the other path. And then I think the dwarves came out of the other one, but it was kind of funny because I just wanted to see if the group would go through the do not enter door or not. But,
2: well, as soon as we open that other door and because the environment on that map in that section was vastly different. Like I was like, Oh great. This was the messed up door. <laughs> you know, he's like, he just played us. And then when nothing happened, I was like, huh? <laughs> like up until we got in the root that final room, I was still sitting there going, something's going to happen. I'm just waiting for him to be like, before you open that door.
0: <laughs> and this is a side topic that particular session was not as balanced as I would have liked it to have been and you and I kind of had discussed this part of it was because we had some players who hadn't been able to make it for a couple sessions so I had them make all characters for this session and because they were I had made the alts a little bit lower level the balancing of the dungeon was I wasn't really happy with it afterward but I don't think anyone was that upset about it. Just I'm very critical of how things are ran. So it wasn't, I didn't do a good job of adjusting on the fly, but I, I don't think it was that bad. I don't think, but I, I wasn't really happy with <laughs> some of the balancing in that dungeon. Cause originally at one point I thought there was only going to be like three or three of you there. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind yeah. of set up to be like a three person dungeon. And it ended up having five people there, even though two of them were low level, it was just, it was kind of a uh, tough balancing. So I guess I'm learning myself even. I have some ideas next time that might simplify the matter a little bit, but will we'll that see. Last, so.
2: Yeah, that last challenge was pretty intense. Like it was, it could have
0: been really bad. Yeah, the last com, the, the main boss was fine. I was happy with that. The Were Tiger fight, I wasn't extremely happy with. I just. It kind of felt like towards like the last couple of rounds, it just sounded like we were dragging out the inevitable. And I, it, that's okay sometimes, but I just that was the part of it I wasn't really happy with. The last fight I thought was fun. It it was a little more risky for the group, but
2: yeah. And that, and I think you're just gonna find that when you're doing, you're it's all a learning experience. You're gonna learn like what works and what doesn't. And that's, I guess, the fun thing in all of it is you are the DM. So if something isn't going how you imagined it would or it's just not working out, like there's things you can do, you know, in the moment to change it up. Mm -hmm. Whether that's making the enemy fall a little faster than what you had intended or adding another element to it on the spot that, you know, maybe gets everybody reinvigorated and puts a little more
0: emphasis on, you know, this isn't a done deal just yet. I know why we did it. We at one point decided to add health bars and I know Mm -hmm. why we did it and it was discussed. But then I ran into this problem there. If all of a sudden the guy starts chunking down, it becomes really obvious. Whereas if that health bar wasn't there, I may have shaved off like a quarter of his health just to get through the fight. Because to be honest to me, the fight felt like it was over. It was just like I said. There was like three or four rounds where it was just him doing enough damage to maybe harass one of the players, but then everyone else is just laying into him. And, mm-hmm. he, and I just I didn't find the last couple rounds to be as thrilling and engaging. So if I hadn't had that health bar there, I probably would have just shaved it down pretty quick and ended it. But with the health bar, it would have been really obvious if I'd done that. Now, maybe a different route. Now that we're sitting here talking about it in hindsight, would have been maybe I have him power up and let's make it a little more interesting. But eh. <laughs> like I said, it's easy to sit here afterward and be like, I should have done this. But
2: yeah, the old hindsight can can be a bit of a trap. But it, and I think that's just with having a balanced system. And hopefully when we have ours up and running, we don't run into a lot of those issues where it's just if something is taking that long to kill the party is probably not doing well and should probably be looking for an exit
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and so to go back to really with your players they're going to kind of take cues from you and learn so that I bring I brought up that story just because I thought it really it, it definitely would not encourage them thinking outside the box and them role-playing if you're punishing them for role-playing and that's no, I really could, what it seemed yeah. like to me
2: <laughs> well and I could definitely say if that was my first experience I would have a really hard time joining another game
0: and this is I guess what I wanted to get into with the role-playing is they had a session zero and they talked about it being like a mix of all these things but then it sounds like every time they were doing the role-play it like it was almost like something bad would happen it's like he doesn't want them to role-play I wanted to bring that up is I think a session zero is good for talking about the role-play And we've mentioned this before, but a lot of that, how much role play, is it going to be heavy combat, heavy puzzle solving? Mm -hmm. What kind of stuff do you want to do in this more detective work? That's what a session zero comes in handy so you can feel out, does the group want this role play or do they just want more combat heavy stuff?
2: Yeah, and I think this really emphasizes how important the role of DM is. Now, we, when we sit here and talk about tabletops, everybody is important. Everybody at the table is helping tell the story. But you you re- realize when you start DMing, the amount of trust the players are putting in in you, like the trust that you're not just going to kill them, the trust that you're going to be fair, and you're not going to throw something too hard or you know just unfair at them without warning or not having been built up to a particular moment and i think that's a big thing for dms is you don't betray the trust your players put in you Mm -hmm. because especially if it's their first time because they're not once you've lost trust it's really hard to gain it back Mm And then that can really throw your game off because then you can spend the rest of the campaign trying to earn it back. And it's just not, you're not going to get those intense moments because every time they're going to be questioning, like, well, why are you doing this? Uh, The role play, I don't really understand punishing them with weird things or bad things happening when they role played. You definitely don't want to do that. Definitely reward your players when they're role playing depend and and not like oh something bad is going to happen but if it depends I mean, obviously on the circumstance of the situation and, and what's being role-played, but don't just outright punish them every single time.
0: Yeah, well, and I did want to note that is, that's not to say a de- like something bad couldn't happen from a role-play, depending on, a like you said, exactly <laughs> what it was, depending on how the roles and what they're saying go. Yeah, something interesting could develop from that, but that should not be like every single time because it will discourage it. <laughs> but I think you can mix in something crazy happening once in a while not necessarily someone dying but i think yeah there's other things so
2: but you can have unexpected things that are also good and that that the player wasn't expecting and that could really help them be like oh i'm gonna role play a lot more because last time i did it you know a really good thing happened
0: that was kind of like getting... We brought this up in the last episode, but when I got that flask from the dwarf, him and I were having a conversation, and that's, I think, what kind of sparked getting that. hmm Yeah, so just, that yeah,
2: wasn't... Yeah. That actually wasn't intended, but the role-playing was going well, and that's, you know, that felt right in that moment.
0: Another... Well, I, I want to bring this up quickly. We're going to actually try to encourage it in our game with a form of experience for doing it. If I... I don't know if we want to get too deep into that right now. (laughs) We can get way off track getting into our rule set, but good role playing will be rewarded. How about we just leave it at that?
2: (laughs) Yes. I I think that's good. That is. (laughs) Yeah, we better not. We'll,
0: we'll derail this whole thing really quick and get into that. So
2: I was actually thinking that would, be a good session sorry to cut you there but I, I was thinking that would be maybe a good future session if the audience is interested uh talking about role play systems not necessarily ours or you know i know we kind of base everything off of D, but there are a lot of other systems so
0: i think you know maybe having a system talk would be fun so I want to start with a quote from our player who plays Vern. I won't say his name just for privacy's sake, but I've mentioned this comment before, and I'm going to keep referring back to it. But the role play is what makes the combat fun and exciting, and it kind of builds up to that. So how do we encourage role play as a DM? Because, like I said, I, I agree completely. I think it makes the combat more interesting and engaging when I have a reason to be there, which is where the roleplaying comes in. So how do you encourage roleplay as a DM?
2: yeah and so this next session that i'm going to kind of go in i'm going to do these points um it's also steps to that both i think dm and players can take to help with their role play and so the first one that i have on here is know or have a good understanding of the system and its rule set Uh, this will allow you to focus and and put more into the role play and not always, you know, pausing and trying to figure out the rule sets. Now, obviously with new players and anything, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but definitely if you're DMing or, you know, a game lead for anything, you definitely want to know the rule set pretty well. And I would say as a player, you want to know enough to be able to comfortably show up at the table each time and run your character. I think that's a really good first step to encourage roleplay on both ends.
0: Yeah, and I <laughs> I find it easier to roleplay as the DM than a player sometimes. Well, not as much anymore after I've been DMing more, but because when you're DMing, you do have to kind of fill all the roles. <laughs> I don't know. It gets me into the role playing mode quicker, I guess. Because as... A
2: DM like you don't really have a choice I think we've had this conversation before where it's like yeah you're kind of thrust into it it's kind of sink or swim if you <laughs> you're either you're either gonna do it or you're not <laughs> I've been in games where there's been absolutely no role play it's just been a general conversation but if if you're looking to capture a strong role play campaign then definitely knowing the rules and the system you're playing in can go a long way with that. Um, Another thing uh, that I want to mention really quick is metagaming.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we have to talk about that.
2: And the DM can do it. Uh, It's more of a player thing, but it can happen, and it probably will happen at some point.
0: But uh, yeah, if you want to explain metagaming really quick... Well, it's basically when a player uses their outside knowledge, their knowledge as a person, to affect things in the game. A couple examples would be if the group came across a Beholder, but someone in the party, like, they had played in a different campaign where they fought a Beholder, and it's like they used the exact same strategy to beat it. I think, I, I read this, was I was like, they threw a something that, like, smoke in the Beholder's face, and it made it so it couldn't see and they he was trying to use this same strategy and the dm kind of called metagaming on it because he's like your group really wouldn't know that strategy because unless they had met this other group and been told how to do it how did he just come up with this (laughs) idea that's one example or using knowledge if you hear and usually the dm would do this a little differently but like if a player a rogue runs ahead and gets a bunch of loot the group obviously hears what he's getting then all of a sudden the paladin's like oh i'm gonna go ahead and search his bag later or when a paladin searches through somebody's room and finds a golden piano and takes it
2: (laughs) yeah just goes into someone's room that was clearly marked their room
0: but yeah and you
2: can do there's so many examples uh we can take like werewolves and vampires like knowing exactly what they're weak to especially in a D setting where you're looking at more traditional weaknesses yes it's common knowledge but your character doesn't necessarily know that and this is a good time instead of like jumping in and just assuming your character knows you can ask your dm what's common knowledge in the world like would knowledge of these creatures be common knowledge or would i have any knowledge and they might say it's not common knowledge but go
0: go ahead and do a roll and we'll see how much you know Mm -hmm. that's how you and i handle it most of the time and i'll usually ask if i'm not i think we were fighting trolls one time it's like are we aware that they're weak to fire or is that something we'd have to try to figure out
2: (laughs) yeah and at that point you can depending on This is really your call as a DM. You can have them roll intelligence checks, or sometimes you can just say no. And there's been times where I've said, no, this is rare enough. You're not going to know. You would have to have such a crazy experience, such a rare experience outside of, you know, before meeting this group that it would be really hard to explain And sometimes as a DM, just for story elements, you just don't want to even give the opportunity. Now you can put like a really high DC on it, but I would say most of the time it's an intelligence check or something like that, or religion if it's based on a deity or something. But usually, you know, if you, that's what it comes down to is like, oh, would I mind someone having knowledge of this?
0: And it depends on how you want the fight to go, too. Because, obviously, yeah, trolls are weak to fire. The fight becomes kind of easy <laughs> at that point. but
2: And it can be hard. It can be really hard as a player. It's like, well, what if I, you know, you might be sitting there like, well, I'm going to, like, bend metagame this and be like, my character's just going to randomly pull at his torch and burn where I slashed my weapon
0: at. <laughs> I actually had an experience of metagaming that I almost had to put down, unfor- luck- well, luckily or unfortunately, we never ended up playing with the same group in person again, but one of the characters in my group had been given a letter by somebody. And one of the other players, I I said this at the table, like everyone was aware of it, but later that particular player was like, I want to go steal that letter and find out what was in it. And I kind of was like, well, you don't even know they have that. That's not something you're aware of you. You are, Mm -hmm. but your character is not. And I kind of had to, kind of nip that quickly although it never ended up coming to fruition because i don't think we ever got to play a second session unfortunately it was a short-lived little group but it's still in the same setting as our current world but neither of the players are playing anymore so it never came up to fruition but that's okay so i did actually have to deal with that and it would have it wouldn't really have affected anything if the person had seen it but i just it wouldn't have made any sense for them to go rummaging around for that either (laughs)
2: And I think that was an excellent way to handle that as a DM. You know, you just simply explain the situation. Because especially with new players, it's really easy to just be like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Mm -hmm. And it's you can't really get upset about it because most of the time they're really excited and they're being active, which you know, as a DM, you'd love to see the players being active, but sometimes you can lose track of, you know, well, what knowledge does my character have versus what I know out of game? That can definitely take some time to get used to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, I guess that's not really that, that can help with role play. And that's just over time, you'll get better and better at that. But it's just, I think a good thing to keep in, keep in your mind as you're, As you're going through, I know there's, I've heard a lot of stories about people getting like really angry about metagaming, especially when it's not on purpose. I'm just like, all right, it's not a big deal. It's not nothing that can be undone unless you're playing with a DM who says, "Ah, if it's been said, it's done, which could happen.
0: Yeah. When it comes to metagaming, I, uh, we haven't had too many issues with it. The piano was probably the biggest one. And I did allow that to kind of go mostly because I thought it would be fun (laughs) to have as a story (laughs) element. I did it because it favored me is how I looked at it, but we've discussed that. I I could have probably stopped that due to metagaming, but yeah, it's okay. I I will have some, there'll be some fun with the piano down the road. It'll be worth it. Another thing Uh I wanted to bring up for role-playing to get people involved is being able to do voices and, I know this is a tough thing because not everyone can do voices. So if you can't do them, I do understand. If you are able to make even a little bit of effort to do voices, it does make a huge difference to the players. It just, it doesn't feel like you're just talking to the same person every time. And you and I are definitely not perfect with our voices. And i we're both guilty of this is sometimes if a character hasn't been around for a while, the voice well, like the tone of the voice changes slightly I've noticed that a couple of times and it is hard unless you're practicing all of your voices constantly to sometimes not do one that's slightly different pitch or tone
2: yeah yeah well and <laughs> apologize to my players but yeah sometimes you don't I just don't have the time to sit there and go through all of them. Even when I know a character is going to be in that session, like I try to find time to do it, but it it can be really hard to get back into it, especially when you're switching between a lot of voices. Because mm-hmm. You know, when I start running into trouble, it's like when I've got like four characters that are all part of a conversation, it's just like, okay, you know, and maybe that's just a tip as a DM. Don't, put yourself in that situation.
0: <laughs> well, I've even had trouble sometimes if I'm doing like a city setting and the group's going to be visiting a lot of different shop keeps and stuff like that. I have a hard time because you just, you don't have time to practice all those different voices. I'm not a professional voice actor, but I will always say, if you do want to do the voices, you just, you have to practice, practice, practice. And one thing is mm-hmm. to go and listen to whatever the, if there's a certain As an example, if you're trying to do Yoda, if you go listen to Yoda talk, that'll help you do it or listen to a certain dialect that will help you, but you really just have to practice it. And that's what I'll do. If there's a new character who's going to have a big role, I'll be talking in that voice kind of to my my wife probably thinks I'm crazy, but I'll be talking in that voice randomly throughout the (laughs) week to kind of prepare. And that's really what it comes down to is you just have to practice. If you're riding in the car somewhere, I do voices. That's how I practice them.
2: Yeah, and this goes for players to uh find your character's voice. And definitely I I get inspiration from pop culture, you know, oh, yeah. movies, shows. Definitely take inspiration from that, but I would say find find your own character's voice within that. And and that kind of gets into more of the the character building But that is definitely something that can really help bring your, separate your character from, you know, just kind of just being you there.
0: I really wish my character in your campaign I had done a voice for, but when we first started, it just wasn't something I had in me at at that time. And then probably about halfway through, I was, I kind of had come up with a voice I was going to do, but it felt it just felt weird to add the voice halfway through. I don't know. I guess the group would have gotten used to it, but but then what's funny is I have my character's son in my campaign, and I do a voice for him, and I <laughs> thought, is that's the voice if I could go back and do a voice for Bordis, I would do that. <laughs> do that voice. Yeah,
2: and being new, anybody who's new to role-playing in on tabletop, I mean, it is it's hard to do a voice it just is it's hard to like show up at a table especially if you don't know everybody if you're not all friends yeah And you just show up and you start doing a voice it you can be a little nerve-wracking putting you know where you can feel like you're being put on the spot there's a lot of times where I've been in a game and I've wanted to do voices but then you get there nobody else is doing them and it's like well I don't want to be the only one
0: doing a voice mm-hmm. so and maybe that's why I didn't do one originally either because it was just like oh no one else is doing one this will be awkward but mm-hmm. you know, of course now I, I regret not doing that I wish I had done my I you had know, my terrapin voice but hey well that's okay it's still a lesson mm-hmm. but not to say you ha- you don't have to do it but it I do think it encourages the role play it, it does for me personally if I hear you doing voices it's a little easier for me to engage with the characters
2: yeah, once that ice is broken and everybody's opened up to it and they're accepting it, yeah, it's funny at the start, but once you get into it, like it's just you're like, oh, this is fun. I'm I'm really enjoying this, and you can get a lot of fun role play out of that. Uh, on the flip side, I will say, as a DM, just be wary with newer players. Don't I would say encourage voices, but don't force it because in that you could say that for anything because you try to force anything you're you're sucking the fun out of it so yeah
0: and i would say with brand new players you're probably not going to get voices out of them but if you even if you try to at least do voices for them it will help them to engage more so
2: yeah and down the road if you're continuing to do the voices they may pick it up and be and start you know as everyone starts getting more comfortable with each other you know they may start joining in that that would be a really fun moment That's the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this next one I have may sound like common sense, but pay attention. (laughs) This will help you greatly interject your character into what is happening. I don't think maybe this is more for because of the situation we are in the world right now, where online games have become a lot more common it, this, I think, applies more than if you're all sitting around a table. I think with all my experiences, I, I don't think I've ever been at a table where no one was just, like, just out there,
0: like, wait, what were we doing? Oh, well, I think I've shared. I did have an experience like that in one of my – I think I mentioned this in our first yes. episode. Uh, and I'll briefly, just in case someone didn't hear the episode, we had a player at our table who – he had joined because – It was a lot of his friends playing. I think the idea of playing, it's like, oh, cool, you're playing d and I'll join. But he would end up being on his laptop, like watching, I don't remember what, Tumblr, whatever the, I don't know, it wasn't YouTube, but whatever the, one of the popular sites where it's like, hey, look at this, look at this. Not only was he, and then every time I get to his turn, it's like, oh, I'm just going to attack him and would roll and then get back to that. And it, it was very distracting. Not, I guess, if he had just kept to himself, it would have been okay. But it just then he'd be like, "Hey, look at this! Hey, look at this!" and it kind of interrupted whatever role playing was going on. And again, I don't, Mm -hmm. I won't bash on him too much. I think he was just he didn't really see the disruption it was causing. He was just thinking he was hanging out with their his friends while they were playing this game, not realizing the type of game D and D or this was Pathfinder in this case, but Mm -hmm. not really realizing how big of a distraction that can be. So I, I have had that just that one time, but it is very distracting but paying attention it, it, you're right on it sounds common sense but it sounds like common sense but it it can make a big difference it, you've you've mentioned this before too you can't always have these big plot hooks for every single person mm-hmm. in the group sometimes it's the fighter's chance or the barbarian's chance to have a little spotlight in the story but that doesn't mean you can't come along with them on that story and get yourself involved. Now, you don't want to overshadow that person because obviously there's some story elements meant for them, so you don't want to necessarily take away their thunder, but you can go along for that ride and be there involved in the role play, asking questions and supporting them kind of as a wingman for their hook.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because this is a realm of improv. There is no, there's really no pause button. There's no going back and, you know, you know, loading your game from the last save point. So, if a moment's gone, the, that moment's gone, mm-hmm. and you've you could potentially miss a lot of fun role play elements just by paying attention and being in character, just constantly thinking about, you know, your character and what's going on and how they would react to what's currently happening. You can find those little openings that your character can interject themselves and add themselves to that player's story. And that's what makes this game. And I think we both said this miles beyond any, you know, RPG game Mm -hmm. that we've played is you, you get these moments that you don't
0: have in, in anything else. And those role-playing moments like that where you're helping someone in their story, that's what really bonds the group together and kind of solidifies them. And we can note, uh, I'm friends with everyone in our group outside or related to outside the game, but I can definitely feel more of a relationship with some of the characters that I've been around with for a long time. Uh, the example being uh, your brother who plays Nithus and our other one, his, him and my character <laughs> Bordas, they've been the only two that have been here the entire campaign. And Bordas is very attached to Nithis. I, I just feel that way when we're playing. It's like, they've been through a lot together they have that bond beyond the friendship your brother and I share outside the game. It's, it's weird. It's kind of odd. Cause I just, when we're playing, It's just, it's like, we're in this together. You know, we've been through thick Mm -hmm. and thin together. You almost feel like you've been on this journey yourself with him.
2: Yeah, exactly. I could say it better myself. That's a perfect example of the power of tabletop role-playing games. And a reason I believe they are taking kind of off again, they've kind of found a second life now and are really booming. And I think it's because you get these very powerful moments, where you you just don't get it <laughs> with video games mm-hmm. or or you know just your standard board game because you are getting emotionally invested in your character and those that are at the table like especially like you said if you've been playing with them since the beginning over a long running campaign of several years you're definitely going to have a lot more moments that are going to be
0: meaningful. And you're going to have those moments more often than in a video game mm-hmm. or a movie, presumably just because of the nature of the length of <laughs> how long a campaign is too. But I mean, you can have people get mad at the table. We, I mean, it happens. We've seen it. And Mm -hmm. we've seen people get sad at the table crying, you know, that happens at these things. It's very, I I don't know if I would say it's probably pretty a lot more common and not to say it happens every session. But over the course of a full zero to 20 campaign, there's going to be those ups and downs, whether it's crying, anger, those happy, joyous moments of we just barely escape with our lives. Uh, those moments happen and you can't take anything i mean it's just they are amazing cuz that's obviously that's why i love it so much
2: yeah no definitely uh this next one i have though is something i think we touched on a bit in one of your tales of terror and that's beware of well that's what my character would do
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> to
2: cover up your questionable behavior cuz this will kill roleplay i'm just telling you i've seen enough examples i've heard enough stories to tell you this will kill roleplay at the table
0: yeah well and it's a cop out of i'm going to do whatever i want i'm going to use that as my excuse and i understand there are doing it a handful of times over the course of the campaign maybe i guess you know a rogue running ahead and looting the chest fine but if you're doing that every time that gets a little it's going to get a little bit old
2: And this kind of leads me into my uh, the next point, and we can kind of combine these two, is it, it comes down to what is your character's motivation. Mm-hmm. And you do, you have to be aware of making your character too est- estranged from the group. I mean, the point is that we are all playing this game together, so having your character be at odds with the group kind of defeats the purpose of everyone being at the table and if you do feel that your character is getting more distant from the group, there's really only two options. Either you correct that course, or it's probably time to roll a new character. Mm-hmm. Or,
0: or I guess, walk away from the group altogether. But, well, and I've heard that that's what my character... There's a lot of stories online, like you said, and lots and lots of examples that involve that, and uh <laughs> i can see there's many ways that could go poorly well the one funny example i saw is the you know the characters running ahead killing stealing and then the paladin calls the city guard and the paladins well that's what my character would do because i'm a paladin you've been <laughs> murder hoboing, and stealing stuff so i'm calling the town guard because that's what my character would do I'm a paladin <laughs> although that makes more sense to me <laughs> you know so it's stuff like that too can be some fitting karma but you prefer not to get into that stuff at the table because I think it does if there's real if there's issues in game they can bleed over to real life and we've talked about that before so
2: well and this comes into your character's backstory you have to go into writing your character's backstory knowing that you're going to be playing with other people who have (laughs) their other motivations and so I mean unless you're Just playing with yourself with a DM, and I've actually did see that there are a lot of uh, support out there for one player role play.
0: (laughs) Play People can we've done we've done it one time to. I don't remember why did we? Oh, you missed a session? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, a person just plays by themselves. Oh, by themselves completely. I thought you, yeah, because I know one time I did a session for you, you had missed, and I was trying to get you kind of caught up and that that's we did one on one but yeah playing by yourself
2: <laughs> there's actually there's actually like uh systems for it where hmm. there's random tables and you roll i guess and you it tells you what happens on the table apparently there's a whole systems for people to just run a whole campaign with just themselves so i mean if you're someone who just anti personable
0: and you don't you don't like your group maybe run one of those well, that could be interesting, because then you could have a villainous character, and you could like you could. play all of that. Yeah, I think I
2: saw one of them, I saw you play like, a vampire lord, and there were definitely different paths you could
0: take that, oh. so... Well, I'm going to drop out of your campaign, it. I'm going to go play by myself, sorry. <laughs> that sounds well, really interesting to me. No, I, I, I least love you're playing with the other players, it. yeah. <laughs> sorry, your campaign's been terrible, I've only been playing it the last three years to not hurt your feelings. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you. That's very noble
0: of you. But <laughs> I, Well, if I'd known this single player thing. Was around, <laughs> I, no, I'm just kidding. But, well, then it sounds like, well, I, I don't know what options are available because I've never looked into the systems. I guess at that point, it's almost like you're playing a video game, except it probably does have a little bit more of that random element to it, though.
2: Yeah, it, sa- it definitely sounded interesting and in having different tables for different events that would happen based on decisions you've made. So I, it would probably feel like playing a tabletop video game, like video game RPG, where you're just like, you're just rolling, but then there's that aspect of randomness that comes with it. Like, Are, well, you, doing some kind of halluc-
0: are you doing hallucinogens while you're <laughs> playing this? And you, like my wife will come down to the basement and I'm like, have like a sword and I'm like talking to one of my stuffed animals <laughs> or one of my like figures that's around the room. Like. Yeah, shopkeep, I need to buy three potatoes Like, what are you doing down here? You have a whole little town built down
2: there out of cardboard. <laughs> this is cardboard a stick-up.
0: Don't anybody move. <laughs> no, no, stop, you mean old potato? <laughs> I guess so, we're going back to the childhoods play thing, I guess. <laughs> is Andy uh, playing a single player? tabletop RPG with his well I guess if you think of it from that view it's like what are playing with G.I. Joe's turtles any of those things that's I guess yeah definitely uh, yeah
2: (laughs) well I thought it would be interesting if someone really put a lot of work into building out like a like a playable system with this and they did like recordings and voice actings for all the different outcomes that you could respond to I could see like a niche for it, especially if you're just not, you get into these tabletop role-playing games, and I I, I just don't know why you jump into that situation if you're just there to kind of troll everybody. (laughs) I mean, if that's your purpose, if that's what makes you happy, then I guess, but you just know you're kind of ruining it for everybody else.
0: Well, and I hear these, like when you hear these stories, there are always a lot of similarities. So I do, I'm sure these stories happen. And maybe the stories are embellished a little bit, but just even in our campaigns, not that we haven't had any huge issues, but even like with the metagame, there are little issues that pop up from time to time, and they're easy to deal with in the moment, but I do imagine over the course of all the dm d and d and Pathfinder and any other RPGs out there, those bad experiences I- I'm sure they happen fairly regularly,
2: yeah, and this kind of leads me right into another point I was going to make is do not be afraid to let your character grow.
0: Uh, yes, definitely.
2: It's okay to start out with, you know, that lone roguish type, but don't be afraid to break out from that. Or if your characters had kind of a a thing they do that's become kind of their niche, don't don't be afraid to explore different avenues. Don't you know, let let the character grow as the characters around them and the environment changes. You have to take into account kind of what's happening, how your character would react and changes they might make in their life. This will definitely help you role play a lot more. And it takes your character from being out of the realm of one dimension. You know, you're going to your character gets a lot more interesting when you start making these things. And they might have to have. They might have to make a really bad decision for the change to begin. And I think all of that is okay as long as you're, you know, role-playing with the group and not kind of role-playing against them, I guess is how I'd well, put that.
0: And I think that comes, too, is if you're using the standard, like, D&D, the backstories or whatever – those are meant to kind of get you started. And, and they're perfectly fine for the beginning of the campaign. But I think you can mold that a little bit into something better as the campaign goes along. And like you said, grow. But yeah, those backstories are more meant as kind of a guideline to get you started with the role-playing. But yeah, you can definitely build on that. We can use my character as an example, Bordis. I really, one of my early role-playing things with him is he, he was kind of a drunk. That was his thing. He would just drink and drink almost every night and the group couldn't get him up. And some of the old early role playing I would do would be like, he just would not get out of bed in the morning. And I think there was one where mm-hmm. a, a party member came in and like, I don't remember what she was like, just basically trying to kick him out the door. And he got quite angry about it. But I I don't play that up over the course of the campaign. He still does drink, but I try not to make that the focus of it. Because let's face it, if every single session that was all I was bringing to the table it's like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. And so I I do mix it in once in a while, but I don't try to just make it him drinking and not getting up in the morning. It's usually, you know, that we have the big party, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. If he's drinking, there's usually a little more to it than that he still drinks, but it just, I, I try to like make that the focus of the role play.
2: Yeah. And that gets into like, kind of looking deeper at your character and kind of into the next point of making is it's okay to borrow inspiration from things that you've seen on tv movies comics Mm -hmm. shows whatever it may be it's i would say it's definitely okay to borrow inspiration just find ways to make it your own Mm -hmm. because just even the slightest of things the slightest of quirks can make it much more dynamic and the other players at the table might be like oh man it's almost like this character but you got these really fun quirks and you know that's what the other players are going to like be interested in and want to ask questions about your character and want to know more about as the group comes together and starts working on whatever has been put before them. Um, But that gets into, I guess, moving forward is (laughs) there's no fault in having faults. (laughs) And that kind of gets into the quirks I was talking about. It's okay to have, you know, your character be just real lazy or maybe they're just very indifferent about things. You don't want your character just being stone-faced the whole time or just they say the perfect thing every time or they always make the right decision. It just you're not your character's gonna very quickly be uninteresting to everybody because you're gonna get very predictable in what you're gonna do
0: yeah and i mean the character faults are in those backstories for a reason and not that you have to use those specifically but they do help you to kind of flesh stuff out so they always say too is In any cartoon show, a character, all the main characters, there's always a fault. And just Dragon Ball Z being the perfect example, Goku Mm -hmm. wants his fault. He wants to test his strength, so he lets people power up. And Vegeta kind of falls into that trap a lot, too. It's like, how many of those fights could have been over if they just would have finished it instead (laughs) of taking the bait of, oh, I'll let you power up so I can see what I can do. But if if the characters didn't have flaws, I, I don't remember where I heard this at, but there was a huge thing of whether it's comic books, movies people want to see that character flaw because it allows them to relate to them. Because we all have our character flaws. So you can relate better to a character if they have a flaw. If they're this perfect person, the character's not interesting at all.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't always have to be some major thing. It could be a little thing. It could be a mix of little things. Just something that and this is really going to help with your role play and your character building. It's going to make your character interesting and I've been really impressed with our group coming up with you know some flaws that that they that they have, and that's been really interesting to see how those have grown but in both of our campaigns but it's it also comes down to and I think we've been really starting to get into this is work with those around you. Work with your DM, work with the other players, because if you do have a fault, if you do have different things, they're gonna learn them, especially if your group's spending time together. They're gonna learn your flaws, they're gonna learn your mannerisms, and they're gonna try to find ways to throw you out of it or to get you around something, or if something's coming up and they know you're gonna do something a certain way, they might be like, Oh, well, what are we gonna do to, you know, stop them from drinking this time? (laughs) <laughs> or if there's something in your backstory, a fault or something, definitely talk to your DM about it. They will definitely work with you, work it into the story, make sure that, you know, it's known. And if they have certain things coming up, definitely. I know I would if if a player came up and said, Oh, I've got this really interesting idea for a character. You know, could we kind of work this in? Definitely. It just it's also just about making your DM aware of mm-hmm things you want to do and they might have really good ideas well and be able to incorporate it really well so if a circumstance comes up they might be able to do it in mind of a flaw or a quirk that your character has
0: and as the dm i guess you you definitely want to be encouraging the role play as well this kind of works both ways but you kind of learned as the dm there is only so much you can do eventually the group just kind of has to jump out of the nest so to speak (laughs)
2: Well, and that that's kind of the main theme that you will see with those that are experienced with tabletop role-playing games is it's not just the DM. You can't just rely on the DM to push everything. It's a story that you're all coming together to tell. Mm-hmm. And so th- that responsibility falls on all of you. Yes, there's a lot of it on the DM to keep the campaign moving forward and keep things happening but if you just follow the breadcrumbs all the time or you don't add anything to it i mean it the, each session that you play is going to be and feel very bland like like you said there's only so much a dm can do
0: well and we kind of if you're i wanted to i don't, did you have any more little points you wanted to bring up on this uh, just
2: just have fun
0: Yes, that's a good one. Well, I wanted to bring up our group briefly. And we've talked about them before. And we certainly do like to pick on them. (laughs) I know a lot of them listen and enjoy when we talk about them. But one thing we had with our group, and I would include myself in this, is a lot of us were somewhat new to this. And I think, as i mentioned, I had played quite a few times in the past. But it had been quite a few years before I would played. And a lot of the table, the groups I did play in, the role-playing wasn't way over the top and heavy. So I had to kind of build up myself. But some of our players, it, it was the first time I think a lot of them had played. So the role-playing didn't come really easy early on. And it was kind of, as a DM, it could be frustrating sometimes when you have this dialogue you're wanting the players to have with certain NPCs you've made or shopkeeps. And it's just like, you'd come up with these dialogues or these things you wanted them to say, and it wouldn't happen. And I think it can get a little bit frustrating, but over the course of about, a, it took about a year, I would say, and towards the end of that first year of playing, it's like everyone kind of started to come out of their shells a little bit. And it's like, oh, this is okay. And then once it's, the ball started rolling, it just it grew really quickly. And that's what's kind of cool about it. So as a DM, I think you do have to prepare a little bit if your group is mostly new. There is going to be kind of that, I don't want to call it a learning curve, but there'll be that warm up period. And then eventually everyone Mm -hmm. is just like, oh, wow, this is so great. And we've definitely experienced that. It just, if you think about where we were two years ago or maybe even longer than that now, compared to where we're at now, it's just like you would have (laughs) never known the difference, but.
2: Yeah. And I've never been, I've had a lot of experience with D&D, but I've never been part of a group where we were, doing voices and going full-on roleplay. But I had really wanted to capture that. And so when I started my own, that was really the first time of me getting into voices. So that was just very new for me. I knew it was something I wanted to dedicate myself to. It's something I wanted to do. But at the same time, I made sure to let all the players know, this is what I'm going to do. I encourage you to do voices if you want. But... You definitely do not have to,
0: mm-hmm. and some of them have. And <laughs> well, uh, one player in particular has does does voices for both of his characters, and they're really good. It really helps when I'm role playing. I do it helps me as a DM to just be able to have someone else to go <laughs> with a, even just a dialect of any sort. It just it helps me to kind of I don't know. It helps me to role play.
2: Yeah, it helps me roll with the random. and it, it, it really does it it and I guess this could be put up in the points but working on your improv and I know for my character Desco I actually put a lot of work into that character looking up lines or just random things that kind of fit his personality and sayings and not that I use them all but it helps me get into his mindset and it it helps me in that moment, be able to jump into that improv. And I think, you know, one of our players had for this session had uh, our year last session had to do a new character. And he came out with a not a really good voice and was really jumping into the role play. And it just it made <laughs> my job a lot easier. It was a lot more fun for me to interact with someone and have that back and forth. Instead of, you know, them just Kind of just going along, like, well, I'm not really gonna have this character, so whatever.
0: Flimp, I believe his name is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and Ozzy, Ozzy did a good job too. He actually came out with a voice mm-hmm. as well. Our gorgonite yep. uh, rocker, they both did. And actually, I kind yeah, of, it kind of makes me really wonder good. <laughs> if we ever do another campaign after this. I'm hoping maybe everyone will bring a voice to the table. It just, I know it is, and I just said this earlier, but it was hard for me to add a voice to my character halfway through but any future campaigns well depending on i'm running them or not obviously i have to do voices when i'm running it but i probably will have a voice for whatever character i play and i imagine now that the that just shows you how far the group has come that now we have voice voices for their extra characters so voice we're all going to be professional voice actors after this which is i guess you could say that's <laughs> another form of role-playing kind of <laughs> pre-scripted role-playing but
2: yeah, I would definitely say voice acting is definitely definitely a form of role play because whether you're watching an animated film or a cartoon like some of those you watch like you have to get emotionally invested to do some of those scenes. I don't I don't know how you do some of those scenes if you look at all the animated films out there or you know cartoons that you know there's some really emotional moments and you can't you can't really just do that with not being invested or really role playing that character
0: well then you have method acting which is a whole separate thing but i remember oh, the, yeah. I, I wish i could remember the actors it would make this story a lot more funny but there was it was an american actor and there was like a like an old school british actor and the American actor was doing this scene where he was supposed to be out of breath. So he went outside and was running laps around the building and came in. The British actor is like, you know, it's called acting, right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it made me laugh. It's like, yeah. And I could see that, you know, I had an old school British actor like saying that too. It just made me laugh. I, I wish I could remember who the actors were, but it, I, it's not coming to me. So
2: yeah, I'm not, it's not ringing any bells for me, but it sounds hilarious. Um. <laughs> But I guess I could talk a little bit about uh, a show that does a lot of role playing. They started with Pathfinder and went into D&D. And that's the cast of Critical Role. Who's, uh, by the time this episode... Never heard episode, of them. <laughs> Really? <laughs> just I just kidding. could have sworn I've mentioned them. <laughs> no, but, only a thousand times. Hopefully not that much. <laughs> but... I think by the time this episode airs uh their campaign 3 will actually be rolling so that'll be I'll definitely be watching that but uh for anyone familiar you you know those that are involved uh for those of you who are not uh you have the DM Matthew Mercer and then the players uh Marisha Ray, Liam O'Brien, Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey Travis Willingham, Sam Regal, and Talis and Jaffe. Uh, all of them brilliant voice actors. I would <laughs> encourage everyone just do a quick Wikipedia search on them and look at their work that they've done. Because if you've watched any anime, <laughs> any animated cartoon, video game, movie, you've probably heard their voices. I can almost guarantee it. They each have a very extensive body of work and each of them are brilliant, Uh, which, and to top it all off, they're all very good friends. And so when they started playing D&D, they got the idea to start filming it. And obviously, you know, they got picked up by Geeks and Sundry and the show has been brilliant. They've done two campaigns. Like I said, they're getting ready to do campaign three. But every time I watch them, it's very inspirational. Obviously, I don't expect it of myself or my players to be anywhere near the level of voice acting that they display. Because it it is amazing. And they all have very good chemistry together. And like I said, that comes from just you know having that friendship and camaraderie over the many, many, many years that they've been playing together.
0: Oh, that'd be a fun group to be. Like, if you had been in a group that spanned for years and countless campaigns. I think there's a guy I've heard about that's, he's been running a campaign for like 30 years. Just, could you imagine that? And he has like, they have like TVs on the mm. wall where if someone lives out of town they'll like broadcast in and that, oh, that would be cool. Ours will get there someday, but we're talking about actors and actresses. Have you seen the movie Rollbottles? <laughs> I wanted to bring this up <laughs> basically since we were talking about LARPing earlier. It's it's a funny movie, actually. Uh,
2: I've I not, but I'm going to assume it's about...
0: It has Sean oh, William Scott in it, Paul oh, Rudd's okay. in it. Uh, okay. There's a couple yep. others. Those are the two like big name: Christopher, Mintz, Plossy. I don't know. This, this one of the guys is from... He's from... Uh, oh, he plays McLovin from... Uh, ah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah
0: he's but, he's in it. And then like this said, the other two, and basically he's in the the McLovin characters into the LARPing and these other two guys have to do community service with him and another kid. It's actually okay. quite comical. If you ever get a chance to watch it, I'd check it out.
2: But. They have to so they have to LARP with him
0: yeah, for their community, community service. service.
3: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. You can show your support for the Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad. That's K-N-O dot M-A-D. For providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself. Right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. And I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them. Then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time. My lost geek.